Hi, I'm Beck, and this is the Be Soulful Podcast, a place where we dive into deep conversations with vulnerability and authenticity to inspire you to ask the more deeper and meaningful questions in your own life. Welcome to today's episode of the Be Soulful Podcast. My guest today is Liz Tyrrell. I'm not going to be doing my usual introduction today. And the reason being is that I really want you to experience this episode for what it is. And Liz gives her own background about herself. What I will say, though, is that this episode is the most emotional episode I've recorded since starting this podcast. Liz spoke with such intensity that I felt the pain, I felt the sadness, and I was hanging off her every word. At one point, I completely broke down, and not because there was a part of Liz's story that I could identify with, there wasn't. There was nothing in her story that I could personally relate to in my journey, but what it did remind me was that every day here on this earth is truly, truly a blessing. What I will tell you about Liz is that for a long time, she was chasing peace within herself. She didn't always understand it, but the chasing manifested in a driven, successful career in the corporate world, but she never took time for anything else not herself, love, relationships, until she was able to forgive and let go. I really do hope you enjoy today's episode. And a quick comment to say that the sound quality was not great, but I wasn't prepared to re-record this episode because I did not feel that I could capture the raw emotion that I truly felt when sitting across from Liz and recording this. So I really do hope you hang in there and listen to the whole story. And I thank you for tuning in. And it really is my pleasure to welcome Liz to the Be Soulful podcast today. Liz, welcome to the Be Soulful podcast today. It really is an absolute pleasure to have you here. Welcome. and Thank you for joining us. Thank you. We're very, very happy to be here. I feel like we're having a coffee and just chatting. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us about you. Who, who's Liz? Well, first of all, thank you for even asking uh, for me to come along because I think that question is one, as soon as you asked me to come along and share a story, I actually, my story, I really started to think about that. Um, and I think, you know, a lot of us will have a dialogue of like, you know, survivor to thriver and all that jazz but I think that for me um I think I am a person who is incredibly incredibly grateful to get to an age of 44 years and look back and have quite a great quality balanced perspective on what's happened in my life I think that all of us can sort of look back and go you know there are triggering moments Mm -hmm. um but the strength and resilience, um, the love I have, the prioritization of the, the people I love in my life. I think I'm a place, I'm a person who is in a place of peace for the first time in a very long time. Wow. That's quite power. That's quite powerful because I think, you know, um, when you say you're in a place of peace for the first time in a long time, um, you know, perhaps maybe some people listening, you know, might be able to resonate. That's actually, and I can, you know, I can relate to, you know, not being in a place of peace and then being able to find a sense of peace. It, it, it's, it's a big thing. So I'm uh, happy to hear that. And yeah, that's, it's, it's, it's quite big. So happy to hear that's where you're at. 
It is, and it's a very interesting goal for a woman, no kids, no sort of direct family, um, you know, some of it by choices, some of it not, but it is. Um, I, I remember a girlfriend a few months ago, you know, when you meet a man, you meet a man and all that jazz, and I said, I said, and I didn't even realise I'd said it. You know when you say something and you're like, oh, my God, that must be a high priority for me I didn't even know for a young woman to have peace as such a priority over anything else and peace within myself, peace within my life, um, a feeling of being in control. And uh, I said, no, I, I will make my choices very wisely because my peace is more important than anything else. I remember the girls looking at me going, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, that, you know what I mean? Like, and, and I love them, but they actually, I don't think they understood uh, and nor, nor do they need to. But it is um, a bigger priority of arrival that I thought that I ever realised. Yeah. As you're saying that, it really, it's hitting me like right in the heart because I, I really know um, what, you know, and, again, you know, obviously not the same experiences because we're different people who've had different lives, but I know what it feels like to um, not be in that place of peace inside yourself you know, that perhaps maybe the world doesn't see, they don't see that happening. Um, but inside you every day, you know, there's like, yeah. So coming to that um, and hearing you say that, yeah, it hits pretty hard. So, um, and again, I can relate. That's probably something I've only found probably recently, I would say in the last, you know, 14 months. So, um yeah, but anyway, it's not about me today. It's about you, Liz. <laughs> so, can you? Yeah, no, no, but I, I think that's. I was going to say, I think that's perfectly put because it is within yourself. It is your your mind aligned, your soul. You are listening to self, and and I feel back on track after some things that have happened, and it took me twenty years to get. Which I want young people to be afraid of regret any part of that journey but to 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 long for something is a presupposition that you've actually been there before or yeah. you know there's a mission to that so yeah anyway I just wanted to say absolutely it's within it's not it's no one else's responsibility for that right yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. Um, and sometimes it's hard. It's hard because, you know, I think um, when you show up as someone who's really has quite an enthusiastic energy, I think like yourself, Liz, um, and, you know, you seem a very positive, very driven. I can see that um, from you and from following you on socials. Um, people can often uh, just think that you have life so together um, that, you know, when you go away to your, to your little um, zone that you live in, people don't know what's happening so yeah it's um very very profound so Liz take us on a bit of your journey um for the for the listeners to understand um you know what we're talking about and what you're talking about and finding that sense of peace so um maybe if we start you know with you just sharing your story and how I guess maybe being disrupted from that state of peace um happened for you yeah I think that's a really good frame um so I um <sighs> And, and look, as I share, I, I really want to acknowledge that my story is no different. I think everyone's got their own story. And I know everyone's heard that before, but the, I really believe that. And I really believe there's nothing special at all about what I do. Do I work hard? Absolutely. Am I competitive? Do I drive? Absolutely. And I think that the last couple of years, I've really been trying to figure out where that come from 
and there's sort of there's two phases to that drive and that that hyper vigilance to, to commitment to to professional growth to um, be the best I can be and I think um, tracing that back um, will go all the way back and as I said everyone's got a story so I'm just sharing my step. Um, in my eyes based on reflecting at 44 years. So, um, yeah, that's the best I can do. Um, so my father passed away when I was 11 and a half. Uh, he was an older dad. Uh, he was well-respected in the Metropolitan Fire Brigade. Um, and my mother was well-respected um, within uh, corporate, well, uh, telecom. So she was part of change management and training and developing people. Um, and um, my father was, was, was quite high up, um, had some head-to-head -head conversations with Jeff Kennett on privatisation. And wow. he was, I'm just giving you sort of a bit of a, mm. um, an idea of sort of, and you don't know when you're young, right? And he was a workaholic and, you know, um, loved a drink, but he was an older dad, right? So he was 50 when I was born. So he'd be like 90-ish or more now. Um, and mum was 40. So she was quite young, obviously, when he passed. Um, and, you know, I think there are, when something happens at the time, um, and I have a very vigilant mother of let's, let's move forward. Uh, there wasn't a lot of, well, I suppose there was, but a level of grieving. And um, she ended up marrying um, colleagues in the fire brigade as well, eventually. Um, so, um that was that was an interesting an interesting path because I look back now and he was phenomenal. I was so so lucky to have someone that would drive me to basketball and do everything that I needed to feel on track and fulfilled and um, to feel a part of society. Because when you're a kid and you live, you do feel a little bit like you've lost a little bit and you feel a little different. So that was phenomenal to have that support. And I think having sort of the the driven leader. You know, the silent achiever, which was my father, and my stepfather was quite loud and boisterous and overt. <clears throat> you know, when people say, you know, you marry your father, I was like, I I'm actually a little bit of a mixed breed. I I'm not sure who which archetype really fits, you know, sort of the, if anyone's into spirituality, I had a Leo, a quite achieving Leo, and then an Aries that was fiery and passionate and would say how he felt, you know. So, you know, that coming up with journey I, I never felt like I could look back and go oh poor me and I lost my dad when I was young it was just more about I, I had that support to move forward mm -hmm. and I have two older sisters who are amazing and um you know they have their own journey they're a lot older than me I was the sort of the gift where you know as siblings they would say I was a mistake which you can laugh about it was like the 80s right everyone was quite me <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's right so, like that's, that's the family orientation element but I definitely know and I can look back and put my hand up and say there are times I've pushed myself or positioned myself and I think I was trying to prove something that I was good enough that I was lovable there was there was there was a sort of belief system. so you know um, you sort of think god you know why didn't he fight for me why didn't he stop drinking why didn't he stop smoking why didn't he really start looking after his health. Um, and ironically, it's not until recently that we found out that there was some stuff um, that got into the guy's lungs back then. Um, and actually he passed away with something that was quite common 
uh, in regards to the fire brigade and the chemicals and stuff. That's oh a different story. Wow. It is an important one, though. Yeah, exactly. So this, the stories we tell ourselves could be blown out of the water in logic and, and everything like that. But that's that was a story as a young kid. Is uh, Daddy left and I wasn't I wasn't I wasn't enough to fight for. Um, I wasn't enough to fight for. Yeah. So yeah. that story is important because. Um, with love and an Irish background, so yes, we were loud. Um, but the type of arguments where you just scream and yell and then you say, who wants a cup of tea type thing. So, you know, that, that, <laughs> I think that's quite normal for a lot of Aussie polls, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm half Irish, then, so I can understand. There you go. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I think that growing up also with an incredibly strong mother uh, is important. Um, she had osteomyelitis when she was three. She was in hospital for three years. A family of nine means that she's number five. She got home and there was siblings everywhere in the house. So it was wartime. So I'm just trying to give you the premise of the mindset yeah. that I grew yeah. up with. Which yeah, was, absolutely. Um, you think it's, yeah, like you're complaining about breakfast. At your age, we were out milking the cows in winter mm-hmm. and having to put our feet in the urine of the cows just to have, do you know what I mean? So, like, you're yeah. always like, I really can't complain. <laughs> yeah. Don't complain versus what I went through. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, a good reframe. I was all coached specifically. Um, and and that, that strength of my mother got me through a lot. Um, she now has Parkinson and she's she's just still just a strong mindset wise but the body isn't keeping up sure. um, but I think that yeah like there's there's stuff that happens in everyone's life. like do I have to be strong and on my own 44 and pushing and driving so hard um, yeah because no one's here no one's coming to help and we will get back to that, but that that type of premise has been in my whole life. Is like you've got to take care of yourself. Maybe that vigilance hasn't worked for me, but the story was there, whether I was conscious of it or not. Um, keep thinking bigger, keep dreaming bigger. And having two parents as leaders, they didn't buy into drama or manipulation or anything like that. They were very direct communicators. So once again, growing up with that sort of built an unconscious toolbox of of, of course you keep pushing and driving and fighting for what's right. And that that's important to know because when the next chapter that confirmed a really unhealthy belief system didn't confirm, just deepened a, a, a dark belief system um, come up, um, that's probably where the last 20 years have gone as to the double hit. Um, so um, grew up amazing support from my stepfather, sports, you know, holding hands and, and dating and sort of scared of boys a little bit that you sort of, you know, you, a woman grows into their body, discos and all that jazz and then partying with my friends and then it's uni time. Right? So, yeah, so um, life was relatively normal. You know, it's the 90s, you know, you go out, you party with your friends and then you sort of you get into uni and you sort of start getting focused on your career and your next level. Um, relationships for me, I think I actually had a, a belief system when I was young, which was bizarre, which is um, <laughs> really bizarre actually is, is, you know, until I'm ready to live with someone, what you know, 
if I'm not going to marry them, why would I live with them type things? So I was always looking for what's next, what's next, what's next. And boyfriends at the time would tell me that, you know, are you ever going to feel settled and, and, and present and accept that life isn't perfect? There's no next thing. And uh, you don't hear it because that's you don't even know that there's something inside of you driving and you don't even know. So um, my drive come out in, in Korea. Um, I was lucky enough to scholarship to go to Japan, um, which was phenomenal. I was there for 18 months. Um, it was just a, a, an amazing experience of growing and meeting new people and pushing myself career-wise. And, um, you know, a lot of our family looked back and there was a lot of culture shock and little Aussie girl from Diamond <laughs> Creek going to <laughs> Japan for the first time. But I think I ever, I think I'd gone to Sydney and that's all, right? So my mum's just shaking wow. her head going, is she going to do it? She's going to do it. And um, I was there for 18 months and I just... I fell in love with part of it. I had a, a best friend who um, we will talk about right now because that's probably a significant turning point as well. But before we get into that, I remember um, just to give you an insight into sort of how my mind thinks, pretty good at one, I know what I want in, in getting it. Without anyone else, I was just saying I'm pretty good at getting what I want and I don't mean that arrogantly, but if I really want I will look for it and I will do what I, whatever, whatever it takes. So when I was at university, they wanted me to do a post, postgraduate. I said, um, there's a on the ship to Japan. Like, well, you know, um, you people can, yes. And I said, basically, I will do postgraduate if you let me apply for university. So the, the Japanese scholarship. So that sort of puts you in a mind how I was open negotiation um, and driving mm-hmm. sort of key outcomes at yeah. that time. Yeah. Um, and I, that's probably the, definitely the mindset that I have. I remember Japan, I walked to the fitness club in the country club and I was running all the fitness programs there. Oh, my gosh. And, um, yeah, and I remember saying to my boss at the time um, and I said, oh, we need new equipment in this gym you know, get a little bit of a jazz it up a little bit. And he's like, look, that's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. The board members would never, they'd prefer to spend money on the tennis club or something like that. It was a huge country club in Japan. It was beautiful. Um, In Yokohama, sorry. And um, so I decided that I would come up with a strategy Uh to get those men in the gym and then they will use the equipment and say we need new equipment. Oh my, now, I just there have to clarify, program in the how, 90s. how old were you at this point in time, Liz? 21. Oh, wow. Okay, right. So that really does paint a picture of the way you uh, operate, I guess, your Think. mind. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Once again, not hurting a soul, just mm. it made sense to me. And so basically I just sat in a really healthy and engaging way. Um. So there was a big program in the 90s called Body for Life. It was a 12-week transformation program and it was like an all-in program and it was like the thing. And uh, one of the, because it's an expat community, so one mm-hmm. of the ladies from America come back with this book and I said, you know, it would be great. Let's get Body for Life in Yokohama 
in Japan, in the country club, like this would be fantastic. So we started and I get all, who do I get engaged first? The wives. So I'm sitting down with them and I'm saying, this is what we'll do and we'll take photos and this is going to be amazing and da 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 Anyway, we, we uh, organically, I didn't actually target it, but it actually happened really well. I got every single one of the wives of the husbands on the board allocate to spend on the country club, got every single one of the wives organically and just positively engaged them with this great program. Wow. So who do you think they bought to the gym next? Yeah, they bought their husbands. <laughs> I went back. I just, exactly. And guess what? Next topic. And my boss at the time is an Aussie guy. He was sitting there in the board meeting going, how are we talking about this? Like, what's going on? So I think that just gives me an idea of it's the right thing to do, then we've got to figure out how, right? And it can take time. That took six months to do that. So that just gives you an idea once again of my mindset and um, I think it's called, you know, in your 20s, that's how you think just a little bit differently as well, bulletproof. <laughs> um, and, I, you know, I had a few great relationships in Japan. Um, my stepfather used to call me United Nations. I was dating a guy from the Kitty Hawk, uh, which is a decommissioned huge aircraft carrier. Wow. Um, so I was dating a guy called, yeah, I won't say his name, but he, he was awesome. And then um, a Scottish guy, uh, he was great. <laughs> he was great. And um, But people come and go because they leave and they finish their sort of contract and then they leave. Yeah. So these guys that sort of go home type thing, which everyone that's been in an expat life knows sure. it's quite transient. It can be a little sad. Yeah. And then the next guy, which is sweet, a Swedish guy, he was like, he, not he was, he is, um, and if he ever hears it, he'll just shake his head, but he was uh, um, like a Hugo Boss model. Oh, God, oh my weird. goodness. <laughs> and um, oh, I thought so anyway, uh, Swedish. Um, and um, we really, 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 really bonded, but it was at the end of my tenure, which means that I was going home to, to right. Australia, to Victoria. Okay. And this is where... The story starts to evolve. Um, so really good stuff, living my best life in my own lane. And I'd left behind, parents were doing great, sisters were doing great, um, living my best life. And I'd left behind a, a really, really, really good quality on-again, off-again relationship, but mm-hmm. in essence, a really, really great quality best friend. Sure. And we'd been on-again, off-again for years and he'd been with other girls and stuff and everything like that but we always sort of it was like this this sort of soul connection would come back together mm-hmm. he loved mine it was a best it's really what it is is a childhood best friend and I think until until you sort of get into your early 20s it, it can turn into something different because mm-hmm. 23 24 25 everyone's getting married and settling down right and once again, I did not have this peace in my heart to settle down and have babies. It was career, career, career. Yeah. So, so I had this best friend the whole time that was coming in and out of my life. And I, I really don't want to sort of uh, go into too much in depth about it. Yeah. Um, but I will definitely glean lessons. Uh, and that's purely just out of absolute love and respect for his family. But if they ever listen to this, I think they'll sort of recognise. I'm just sharing my story. Sure. Um, I'll link. I'll link 
when I reflect back, there is some things where angels and the universe were definitely, there was lots of spirit energy taking care of me at that time. Um, and never really spoke recently. So people relate and I think we'll be able to relate in certain parts. Um, so my best friend, um, he was, uh, his family will probably roll their eyes about this, but I believe one of the smartest people I'd ever met. He was, he was a very provocative thinker as a very young man. And unfortunately, um, sometimes substance abuse that's fun as a kid can sort of start affecting people differently, yes. especially if you're a deep thinker. Like I yes. think there is a certain genetic makeup where you've got to be extra vigilant and careful. You can't control everyone, right? So this is this is just about our youth and growing up. And I, you know, I look back now and I just think, what if, right? What 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 if we were just kids and 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 um, we were, you know, probably all a bit more driven or focused or reprioritizing? But that time in your life where you're sort of not a kid, not an adult yet. Um, but anyway. This best friend, um, he was literally talking about quantum physics 20-something years ago, wow. 22, 23 years ago. You would sit down and argue about Like that was actually just incredible as a science back then. Like that is just this, just the way he thought and the way he thought about life was just so deep. Like literally my mind would just, like I'm quite driven but I don't think I'm incredibly that smart, especially back then. I was just, let's just go to the gym and party with your friends type thing. But he'd be sitting there having these serious conversations about so, like, and I just, you know, I was in awe of him. I was. So as best friends, he was a type of person, and we've all had one of these, whether it's female or male, um, they can sense if you're not okay, right? Mum and dad may have had an argument. He didn't know, but he would call and say, hey, listen, I'm coming to pick you up. We're going for a drive. And it was like soul-wise he could mm. sense me mm. and it was that level of connection. It was very deep and it was very um, entwined. And I'm not, I, I'm not saying whether it was healthy or unhealthy, but it was very entwined. Like, you know, people just do. It's actually quite rare to have more than I think a few people actually get you as a human being. Absolutely. And I felt like he did. So I in contact a lot and just via email and things like that. But I was getting on with my life. Um, and I think secretly all I wanted to hear from him is that one day, because he was a bit of a playboy, he would commit to me and he would love me and see me for everything that we are together and say, I love, that's really all I I think that we all want to hear sometimes your best friend might love you or you get that real confirmation of the connection that you have yeah. um, and you're always waiting to get that. Um, and then you kind of get over waiting around and you think, I'm just happy with the best friend part, I'm going to move on, which was Japan for me. It was moving on moment where I evolved, not past him, but I just started to include different types of people in my life. And maybe a letting so, go, would you say perhaps maybe a letting go of of, you know, that um, I guess that not wish but that wanting, you know, the Japan was really like a, okay, yeah. I'm, I'm going to let this go. I'm going to move on physically and 
hopefully that transmutes yeah. to emotionally as well. Yeah, because I knew it wasn't healthy, the on again, off again stuff. I knew that. I was, yeah. But sometimes you get that little emotional, you know. Yeah. So looking back when he started, he knew I was coming home from Japan. Mm-hmm. And when he knew I was coming home and I'd met someone, the Swede, mm-hmm. um, I, don't, I don't know whether it was genuine or I just don't want you with anyone else. Like if I'm being real, I okay. don't know. All I know is what I felt at the time, that it was um, he's a powerful character and um, I know he wasn't completely um, throughout on again, off again, sort of um, dedicated to me, mm-hmm. um, but I loved him, right? So yeah. it, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. So when I was coming home from Japan, he started to call me quite regularly and say, listen, I, I love you and I know you've met someone else, but I, I love you. And I, I, when you get home, when you talk, and I'm like, this is really. You now, when you when you don't want to hear it, it's actually quite annoying. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, yep. when you're kind of like, oh, yes, yes, you're too late, right? And you know, the sweet, I was like, oh, this is gonna feel You know, I'd known him what six months like seriously but like yeah. at the time I'm like this is it you know blah 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 am I moving to Sweden what's going you know what I mean like yeah anyway so I, long story short I get home and, um he's like there my best friend and the Swede so this is in the October and the Swede wasn't coming till Christmas time me I'm gonna go and he's gonna come to Australia and in Japan, you've got expats. We had friends in Melbourne. We're going to go visit and all that jazz, right? So I'm in love and I'm connected and I am home and my heart's with the Swede. Yeah. So when I get home, my best friend is like in your face TV, you know, like there, 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 um, saying to my mum how much she loved me and saying to everyone that would listen, um, telling everyone this is it, you know, I'm going to get healthy I'm going to get off stuff and I'm zip right yeah I'm going to become everything that she needs and um and you don't know that he's telling everyone all of this at the time I was just very aware of how much I loved him and I do remember very distinctly the feeling of not saying that feeling because I know we'll end up together right like I knew we would end up together we were destined so just hold on, let me get through this part because we'll get there. But yeah. I didn't language it, A, because I was way too young to emotionally articulate that. And yeah. I thought he knew that, right? So one day, um, this is now around cut day, so November, um, he calls up and he's, um, oh, me and the boys and everyone's watching the cup, the pub come down. So I went down. For some weird reason, the, the boys are just sort of hanging back and he sort of gives them this sort of look. And uh, now the sweat's on his way to sort of nearly coming. And he said, um, I'll never forget this. He said, look, every single fiber of my being loves you and we will be together. And I know you know that. And I don't want this sweet to come. But if you want him to be here, that's fine. I just need to know. I need. I needed you to know that. Like every fiber 
oh, my being loves you. And for someone who would never say anything, and I just remember the love and just intensity of his love. And it was quite consuming. I was sort of shaking with the intensity myself. So I remember giving him a hug and I sort of said, look, we'll talk about this another time. And I left. We caught up a little bit over the phone and hung out a little bit, but the next phone call was the worst of all. Um, I I remember being in the car driving either towards his house or to the gym. I was always at the gym. And this is the first universe thing where I think I used to beat myself up a bit about for many years is that literally if I turned left, I was going to the gym. If I went straight at the lights, I would have met him at a very important moment, literally. I thought to self, I said self, you can see him after, you got to get this workout in. But intuitively, it was go forward, go to that, that best friend's place. So it was the thing I really had to come to peace with is that I turned left and I went to the gym. And I remember getting a phone call. And when you're getting ready for the gym and your mindset and stuff and you sort of whatever, the phone call was, was him. And he wanted to say that he'd rang my house spoke to my mum, rang my friends, their parents, but he was for me and he wanted to just tell me how much he absolutely loved me. And I remember thinking, yeah, of course. I'll I'll just come over after the gym. Like, I'll see you later. And the next day as life ends, I was just getting back into sort of Australian life after Japan and I had a little job interview. And the job interview went great. And you know when people say there's only three seconds of pure happiness in your life or seconds, but pure, untouched, the sun is out, the right song is on, you're feeling great. There is like a few seconds in your life where you feel that, right? I remember feeling that. I remember that like I can taste the air of the summer breeze or the start of summer breeze. And I remember thinking to myself, this is no joke, absolute true story. I had the interview. I got the job. The dude goes, I want you to go and drive to the uh, place where you're going to start working and meet the people. No problem. It's a fitness industry. Everyone's awesome. And I remember got the job, got the man, got the Swede. There's a great song on. There's literally no cloud in the sky. Far out. This is like my three to five seconds of pure joy. I thought that at that young age. And four seconds later, the phone rang. I missed it. I thought, oh, back in the old days, everything's clunky, nothing goes through the car. I'll just park the car really close to where I'm supposed to go like a couple hundred metres so I can step. I'll just quickly call the person back. So I picked up the phone. I saw it was a missed call from his parents' house. And I said, hey, hey, what's going on? You're right. Thinking I was talking to my best friend or I was talking to his brother. And my brain couldn't compute that. And I'm like, is everything okay? 
And he's like, it's the brother. And I said, why would you? Like, I know you, mate, but why are you calling? And yeah. he said, it's your best friend. We found him. He, he committed suicide last night. And I remember I left my body because I'm actually visually seeing myself. I'm not actually feeling it. I buckled over and was sick quite a few times. I could see where I was supposed to go. I just couldn't function. And I went and sat on a park bench, which was right on the edge of the street. And this is where angels come from. I kid you not, a mature, beautiful old lady come over to me and she put her arm around me. She said, something significant just happened to you and I'm going to be here until, until you need me. It was like in my first angel. And she said, what do you need to do? I said, I get home to my mother. I've got to get home to my mother. I've got to get home. I've got to get home. And another lady come over. So I had two people in the middle of a suburban street putting their around me. This is the power of energy. And one of the girls, she said, look at me. You've got to get home to your mother. Call her now. And I did, and I called my mum and she said, put the windows down, turn the music up, do whatever it takes, but you get home to me. And she knew that's it. This is, this is, this is, this is a new path for my little girl. She knew it. And I remember getting home, falling out of the car, and then and everyone started to slowly come over. I went over to his family's home. And everyone was just sitting there shaking their head. Everyone was sitting there shaking their head. He had read a, written a letter. I, it was sort of to all of us. And my mum said that was an interesting letter. It was very, very philosophical for a 25-year-old male, very philosophical. Like it wasn't really the reason why, right? Like it's in essence, I know exactly what I'm doing and I'm deciding to leave this planet. We all had a personal message. There was about three or four of us. Um, he had beautiful friends. And I just remember feeling like I lost a limb and everyone did. Um, the man I wanted to confess every bit of love for me did, but that wasn't enough. I wasn't enough to stay around for, to wait, because we we're always going to be together. So that re-embedded. Yeah. Men don't just leave, they die. Weird, twisted, shitty little belief system that I created. Men yeah. don't just leave, they die. Understood, yeah. I spoke at his funeral. Um, his wow. beautiful family and friends were there. And look, he was not an angel. Let's just be straight. The, the guy <laughs> wasn't an angel. But a unique relationship between two people is it's, it, you can't explain it. It was our relationship. Um, so I literally was not in my own body and I didn't know sounds bizarre. And I'm not saying it's actually the truth, but at the time I didn't want to live without him. And I couldn't even describe Swede come over and he was just looking at this devastated person. I, we've never really spoken about it properly on how hard it would have been for him as well, right? Yeah. And then there's a Scottish called me and everyone, like the support was phenomenal right yeah. there was no victim I was just trying to understand 
someone basically saying, which he did say, we're going to get married, basically plotting a future to actually doing that was like taking my little dream that I was enjoying with. It was three days before my birthday (sighs) and about four days before a really good friend. So, yeah. And the way, the way I'll sum up all of that was that it was it was it was a soulmate connection that left, and I I didn't know how to live without him. And it sounds weird, I know that, but I just no, he no. was always there. Yeah, and I don't mean the booty call always there. I mean the, always there to listen and to contribute and to make me feel safe and peace. Right, that was gone. So now I had no peace. Judy belief system, men just leave, they die. Yeah. Crappy. I know, I know that's not true. I know that's not yeah. true. Yeah. So when I went to so I went to Sydney after that, and I ended up having something I'm not proud of because I hate drugs. I ended up it's, it's a little bit a drug overdose on basically no level of Molly or ecstasy. Like it was just my body was so fit that actually I think I just, it was just alcohol. <laughs> Went into shock. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, no one yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just, I remember the grief that night. I woke up in hospital and um, I can say that I actually had, I can, I can create any story I want, but the truth is I didn't want to be here. Yeah. And I had to figure out how to fight for wanting to be here for 20 years. Stupid. I know that's my form of unconscious belief systems and realities, and I've had phenomenal support. The way I've sort of come to peace is really 20 years of healing and rehealing, and I will talk about relationships in general, but when you do have a broken wing, and this is a lesson for everyone, please take time to heal yeah. because there are people out there that jump on the that you have a broken wing and they take advantage of you emotionally, right? And maybe they are a bit broken too. Maybe yeah. broken people look for each other. Absolutely. But, but I just, sorry, Liz, I just want to, um, before we go further, that was just such a huge um, piece of your journey. And I know you're talking because you've lived through this. So it's, and you know, you've obviously gone through the healing and you're able to talk about it. I've never done a podcast interview where I have literally sat on the other end like I just did and broke down. Uh, listening to that, I found it overwhelmingly emotional. Um, I think a lot of people, you know, have have not experienced uh, what you've been through, but I think, you know, I think for me, like listening to that, what really hits me is, you know, most of us go through life wanting to find love, wanting to find love within ourselves and obviously wanting to find love with another person. Um, And I think, listening to your story, um, I mean, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. How, how heartbreaking, how heartbreaking. So um, I just wanted to acknowledge that before moving on to the next, the next part of your, your journey. Um, but for whatever reason, I do believe that all souls come to earth and we all have uh, lessons here to learn. And for whatever reason, um, and as you said, everyone has yeah. a story, but for whatever reason, this has been part of your lesson. Um, you know, not to get too bogged down in, in the emotional side, but it just, it hit me really hard listening to that. So I, I just wanted to acknowledge that before, 
before moving on <laughs> to to the next part and um you know what that what that meant for you and you know you obviously then uh being being a young a young a young woman in her 20s you know to then not wanting to be here um where did you go from there liz where did you go i came home as you would do i, I actually did come back from sydney i, I really did that, that strength of my mother kicked it's time to face some stuff and i will be very for real and his family will never they'll probably laugh at this but i literally couldn't connect and talk to them for many years okay yep okay. it hurt so much still right and so like and you can't talk to people like I've had, I've had that will not meaning to be disrespectful say it's a childhood friend and it's sad and that's it and it's sort of like you don't like yeah yeah you can sum it up to that but it was actually so much more that just people didn't know because their life moved on so anyway, I moved. Um, I moved back to Melbourne, and I started literally from scratch to rebuild. I knew what I had done unconsciously. I didn't want to be here. Yeah. Um, and I had to figure out my why on being here. That was hard. And you always look in the wrong places, so you go through those phases. <laughs> it's just yeah. like normal, you know. Meet the guys, da da da, and you know sex but no go all that I was emotionally literally upside down I I actually had no reference point there's like pre my best friend and post I am a different wired differently as a woman I remember seeing a guy once um and he said and it it was funny because he was a little bit of a lunatic himself this took a lot for a young guy to say he's like can you can you stop um so I didn't go the other way like um why are you picking up my phone and texting I was nothing like that I wasn't a lunatic in regards to sort of trying to control everything but I could say things like um uh you had a really bad day um you know you sound really down you're not going to hurt yourself are you and I I know I'm laughing at it because imagine a young man having fun and then someone say that to you uh, I, I think i'm that not just, laughing at it I'm just thinking like, yeah it, well i think yeah. it just proves how th- that makes me really sad like i know you're sitting here today you know as a you know as a you know a 44 year old woman today and you've taken time to to heal but you know if we if we go back to that to that young girl saying that um how incredibly sad and just lost and terrified that anyone that she may possibly yeah, uh, have a potential relationship or give her heart to, maybe they won't be here. Maybe they'll go away. That was the cause and effect. Yeah. That was the the physics of my makeup at that time. Yeah. yeah. You won't just leave him by. No, I'm going to literally push everyone away. I'm going to yeah. turn into the person that I'm not. I'm going to... I don't know any bad stuff, just been emotionally. My sister called me, um, push me, pull me. Yeah, I got into that real toxicity of push me, pull me. Yeah. So, for example, a guy would want to get close and I, I would literally, like, internally go, um, alert, alert, alert. Ah, ah, what's going on? What's going yeah. on? I don't know. what. Someone's breached it. Someone's breached What are they doing? They need to go away. Literally 
that was if someone said, tell me about who you are, <laughs> like literally that bad. Wow. So, yeah, push me, push me, pull me, absolutely. Very toxic and very management. I say toxic because it doesn't make sense to everybody and that's managing a relationship, not having one, right? Yeah, um, yes. yeah. But I think so underneath I, that, sorry, Liz, to, to stop you there, okay. but I think underneath that, and I, I reckon we all know people like that or people we've come across in our lives where on the exterior yeah. they have presented like that, they have been like that. Um, and you know what? But underneath all of that is someone who really just wants to feel loved and to love. And I think um, listening, listening, listening to that, Obviously, with your father, I just find it like listening to your story with, with your father passing away, you know, it's almost like, I don't know, that as you said, that was your belief, that was a story that you told yourself and then, I don't know, to then have that played out later on in, in your adult life. It's almost yeah. like that story was then, as you said, it was further cemented even more so. But underneath all of that, you know, maybe ugly behaviour that you're talking about, that you push people away and it was really just someone who just, wanted to be loved and you know yeah. didn't didn't want to be left didn't want to be left alone and I, and I I would just wanted to reference that because you know for anyone listening like as um as you're talking with like we we all know people like that but to remember underneath that behavior is someone who really just wants to be loved yeah yeah and and dare I say is exhausted Yes. Oh, when I really started committing to my work, exhausted from the new role that I was playing, like yeah. the, the constant driving and prioritisation of work over everything else. Like literally I have to remind myself not to do it now because I still wow. do it. Wow, you still So did work become like, so, so, and I guess that's the interesting part because some people when they experience grief to such a degree, you know, all areas of their, of their life can sometimes come down depending on the person and how they deal and handle with grief. Um, but it sounds like for you work didn't fall down. That was almost like what, what, what did that keep going? Did that part of you and that drive keep going? Into it was a... It was the only thing I could map, like map and measure. Yeah. Um, it was the only thing I could control. Yeah. It was an easier identity. Yeah. Um, and, and I could hide. If I'm being completely honest, I could hide in corporate, um, but I could push and drive. And, like, I look back now and I think, oh, I feel like I have apology, apology letters and conversations to have with some leaders because I was like that, that Tell us about that, Liz. To, to just go there because I love what you just said you could hide behind that identity can you just paint paint us a little picture of that identity the parameters on who I need to work yeah yeah yes this is the cool thing though the essence of me never changed I always I always believed in people just like in Japan where I was motivating and inspiring people. I always knew I wanted to empower people. I always knew that there was a part of me that thought a little bit differently about what's possible in this, in this life. I always knew that I believed that every soul needs to expand and be nourished and grow and not the opposite 
um, that was really important to me ever since I was a, a little girl. And a lot of listeners would get the, you're too sensitive, you feel everything, um, you're reading into things too much and all yeah. that jazz. And yeah. there is a fine line with empaths in regards to yeah. you do need to be quite strong and not read into the bullshit part, like, but it also can't always be roses. Yeah. And, and, and a lot of empaths are really, are really strong enough to go there. Yeah. But there yeah. was... In my career, I had parameters and clarity on expectation and there was a measurement and there was instant gratification and no one was, people were asking me to grow but in a a way that I actually could go, I love that leader and I love the way she is or he is and Mm -hmm. I'm going to grow towards that. Yeah, That sounds a little bit like I wasn't actually in my body the whole time, doesn't it? It actually sounds like someone's trying to act normal. I'm trying to act. The essence is right, but the how I'm getting there is I'm actually being exposed to different ways to get there. Um, where I'm at now, it's not an act. I know exactly what I'm doing and I'm always growing and aware of my growth points and stuff like that. And where I am, I'm adding more value because I'm aware of where I'm at career-wise. I'm well aware of my intent. I'm well aware that corporate world's changed in 10 years. Yeah, and people aren't hiding as much. You you do need to be very. There is um there is a request and a requirement now. I believe that's coming up vocally and energetically. Of you can't blame anyone else. You can't just manage people. You've got to. And there's a very strong need, especially from the youngsters that are like, just lead us. Stop. I, what I say is um, the difference between describing the colour of the water when someone's drowning versus pulling them up and pulling them out. Yeah. To me, that's sort of what people have had enough. Yeah, and I think, um, it's, and I think it's also that, you know, um, I think I worked, I worked in corporate for, for a brief period, probably, you know, a blink in the eye compared to yourself. But um, I think it's also the fact that, you know, people no longer view, how can I put it? Like we shouldn't be treated one way at work as, as um, I'm not going to say robots because that's not the right word, but that we need to be uh, treated as humans in all circumstances, whether that be in business. Yes. And it's not, it's no longer just, I come to work, I do my job, I make sure I'm time, eat my lunch, do my work and go. It's like, no, 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 organisations I think have now changed to realise it's actually okay to have a life and um, it's okay if you need to, you know, go to an appointment and we can, I think it's changed. I just think that we, it's become more human in some ways. (laughs) Oh, my God. And that. That's why I love where I work, you know, hashtag humans, one of our core values. I can Is be it really? around and right. sound wanky, but, but no. when you put that in reality yeah. of um, someone saying, are you all good? Are you okay? Talk to me. Are you right? Like, yep. Okay, cool. And that genuine connection. That's right. Um, and you're right. I've got an appointment or I need to do this or, you know, from time to time I have to go to an appointment with, with mum. So it's sort of like Parkinson appointments sort of like that. And they're kind of like, that's cool. And because of that energy, in essence, you, you want to do more and put in more. Yes, that's And right. I was saying to my um, sister the other day, I feel like this is, I feel like this is a bit of a crescendo for, for, for me and maybe it's that 
point just before you start climbing, like climbing metaphorically again. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm saying everything makes sense, but I'm very vigilant at work around mental health and emotional, they call it psychological safety. I actually call it emotional safety to be able to be free to speak and be real. Um, and I just want to touch on that why you said that because I think that's really important because I think, and I'm going to talk about my own experience here, when I worked in corporate briefly, yeah. I, I did not feel, um, I felt, you know, if I, maybe not even corporate, even in early parts of my career, like I'm sort of, you know, how old am I now, 37, Um you know, I remember feeling this absolute fear. Oh my God, I better not have an appointment. I better, I better, I'll just have to, I can't <laughs> ask for that. Oh my God. No, because I'm not human and I don't have a life. But as I've grown, I've actually learned more from the younger generation, Liz, if I'm honest. I feel like they've brought something completely different to the workplace in the sense that, hang on, no, like it's totally cool for me to have a life. And I need, if I need an appointment, why can't I just ask? Whereas, you know, I, you know, a while ago, like, you know, like what, 10 years ago, that would, that was not, not, not a thing. Like, no, you could never work from home. You know, you could never have that type of flexibility when you're at work, you're yeah. owned, you're owned. <laughs> yeah. So I think yeah. you're right. And Liz. it was this weird judging energy. Yeah. I completely yeah. agree. And it's, you know, uh, more we open this up, maybe, Oh, look, this conversation can go on probably another time now, but it's, it is, it, I'm having a crescendo year now where I'm sort of the last, the last 12 months. I know it sounds weird, but there's a lot you can do in 12 months. Um, no, I'd probably say last five years I've been doing the work with some amazing coaches and, um, and just people who are really help. I was ready to face some stuff. And I mean, like, dark stuff like the, the stuff that the belief systems that you don't even like oh my god like there's a lost sock at the back of the yeah. back of the back like that sort of stuff right you sort of like I don't even know I believe that sort of yeah so the work um I was just tired of running I was exhausted um yes. and I look back at my career and I think yeah I just want to give all my leaders a hug because I know they thought there's something wrong with this chick emotionally and there was oh well, they were right Oh, Liz. Oh, all right. Um, but they didn't, they go away. So maybe it was part of the build, the rebuild, you know, every little brick yeah. on rebuilding and coming back to who I was. Um, yeah, and it took a while. But that can look in different ways, right? I definitely know that I can and will attract a beautiful partner when the time's right. Yes, um, yes. I definitely know what I want um I know that everything's going to be okay no matter what yes um I know that I know that I fight harder for mental health at work probably because of it yeah encourage people to talk because of it um and I don't want it, it to have happened to him or his family or other friends in vain I want I want us all to be just a little bit more vigilant about turning going straight as opposed to turning left like if you get that feeling of reaching out mm. to people, but it's not just that it's, it's that there is, there is healing after brokenness, but there is a real commitment to it. And, um, and not everyone's going to understand it. Not everyone's going to see the scars. Um, yes. Yeah. You how is that? Has, how has that affected your, I mean, not affected, but impacted 
where you're at now, how do you view, um, because one thing I really took away from the early part when you were sharing um, that you said that when you were in relationships, um, you know, a few a few guys had said to you, you know, you're always looking for the next thing. You're always looking for the next thing. And, you know, you said you always, you have this feeling of feeling unsettled. And I think so many people have that and don't even know they have that. And that looking for the yeah. next thing can come out in many different ways. For you, it just happened to be maybe perhaps a very driven, quick career, make things happen, let's do. And, and perhaps maybe that was your way. But for other people that can come out in, you know, things like I buy, maybe I buy too many things. Maybe I, you know, my thing is I need to go out or have total control over every aspect of my life and I'm not saying being organized is not a wonderful thing to be but sometimes that unsettledness can come out in many different ways so um yeah it can yeah I've got a couple of girlfriends that probably could relate to the unsettled feeling and um no, I, I, it, it come out in different ways in all of us um <laughs> but that feeling was there and that's what I'm saying it, it, it's not necessarily what part of it's called early 20s down lack of maturity maybe and what part of it is I'm not enough, you yeah. know what I mean? Um, yes. I have to keep proving myself. Yeah. Mm. And I think at the core of it, no matter how it plays out for you, I think that's always the thing is that you, most, most people don't feel like they're enough and that, you know, can look different depending on what your circumstances are, whether that be, you know, you might have a great relationship, but you might not feel enough for your kids or for your job or for your partner or whatever it is. So I think at the core of it, that's always the thing is that, yeah, people don't feel like they're enough, um, Liz. But I wanted to ask you, being that that's, you know, what you've been through and I've got to admit this has probably been the first podcast, Liz, where I have, you know, um, I don't usually structure things. It, I, I've never been quite so hit in the heart, I have to admit. Um, uh, amazing story. And I have watched you on socials and um, I'm very much an energy person and I've always just liked the energy that I that I get off, um, you know, your, your um, like your photos or your, your videos. Um, but, like, how has that impacted, you know, where... Um, how you view relationships now and what you're looking for and um, dating. Like where are you at now with that, if I dare say that? Yeah, yeah, no, that's perfectly fine. Um, I've got amazing friends that are just always encouraging me to date and all that jazz. <laughs> but um, I, I recently had um, a friend come back into my life, just a friend. Um, that was- and literally just a friend and just even reconnecting um with an old older group yeah so yeah his mates yeah just just as mates right yeah. just a bit of a giggle how you doing that's that's it right it, it actually um kind of like got the last part out mm-hmm. I, know, I know it doesn't make sense but it's no it does like, um it got part of the, the triggering the fear yeah and as soon as I like because I do have a coach and as soon as I worked through oh what's this right which is mm-hmm. probably his retreat like as long as he wouldn't be retriggered either right because it's it's I have been living back in that area in a long time so yeah. it is 
the shift in energy, dynamic path, yeah, right, yeah. destiny, like whatever it is. And I I um, met up with the girls, met up with the boys. You know what it's like when you grow up and you're young and we all sort of caught up and it sort of just got the last part of it out. And as soon as the last part of the energy um, that was there left, um, I purchased a house out there. I have um, made Amazing. some bigger decisions. So yeah. I'm not. I'm. Ha- I have complete faith that my, my man that I'm meant to be with will be ready when I am, and and vice versa, right? Yeah. Um. I'm okay, and have have done the grief in the past six months to twelve months on maybe a child this lifetime isn't possible. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I've done the grief around that. Um. It's ironic, you know. The moment you feel at peace and ready to have, you know, a family, which is what most people feel at twenty-five or yeah. thirty-five. Yeah, absolutely. I'm actually feeling at forty-four. So I'm a little bit. I'm a little bit. You know, my mum's like, oh my. No, but I can relate to that, Liz. I can. I can truly yeah. relate to that. I really can. <laughs> yeah. 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 So it's sort of like acceptance. Yeah. Um and the strongest belief I've ever had in myself in regards to the peaceful belief, um, the taking out the noise. And I honestly believe that girl that negotiated going to Japan <laughs> and saw roadblocks as opportunities is back. I honestly believe she is back because she made decisions in quietness and in listening to self and in a harmonic balanced way where it benefited others as well as herself I do believe she's back I love yeah. that I love that I'm, I'm very happy to hear that I have a little tear in my eye but uh, which you can't see because we've had to turn cameras off but um I'm I'm happy happy to hear that uh for your for your story um I'm not going to ask you the usual question I ask when I'm wrapping up usually I ask everyone uh, where you're at but I feel like you kind of just answered that um so what I'm going to ask you um what has been, you know, I know this is hard, like to put you on the spot and ask you, but what's been one of the biggest things you've learned about yourself out of this particular part of your journey, Liz? Mm. There's actually two, two quotes that come to mind that I refer back to and I look back and I know I've referred back to them in, in important times. Um. The first one is lover or hater, it doesn't matter, but it's a Mother Teresa quote. Yeah. And I'm not religious in regards to the framework and I'm a huge believer in universe and energy and all that jazz. But this quote in its essence, I do remember it touching me when I was um, in third year uni. And basically we've all heard it before, but God only puts us in situations that we can handle. Yes. I only wish he didn't trust me this much. And I remember that quote at like 20, 19 or 20 going, <laughs> it's actually quite funny, Mother Teresa. Like that's actually a really cool quote because there's an inference that if you're in the situation, then you're meant to be in the situation. And yes. however that situation plays out is the way it's supposed to play out because that's the way it played out, yes. right? So that's the first one. Um, and that's really helped me in situations where I wouldn't be in this situation unless I could handle it. 
but right now I just need to learn how to breathe freely. Like yeah. in those moments, I yes. don't know how to put my clothes on this morning. Mum doesn't know how sad I am. I better just have a shower. Yeah. Those moments that we've all been through. Yeah. That's what that got me through, right? Yeah. The brick by brick moment. And the second quote got me through, um, I think it's an ironic joke, I've read an quote as well, which is um, you can give up as many times as you want as long as you keep putting one foot in front of the other. Yeah. And I love Beautiful. that. That's the funniest Beautiful. quote on the planet. You know what I mean? Because your mind can have a hissy fit, but you just got to keep going because that, that's life. And I think and sometimes we, under, we underestimate know. it too, Liz, I think. I think, you know, yeah. when we're in such a bad spot, and, you know, I relate this to myself when I've been in, you know, not good spaces in my life, I'm thinking so far ahead. But really I think that if you come back to that quote, just think about if I can just get to this little point, that's a little step. And we underestimate yeah. often how powerful that little step can actually be. Yeah. Yeah, 100%, especially when you are rebuilding. Yeah, especially emotionally, mentally, like yes. it is like grief is not great. Um, and uh, I think that little rebuild. But, yeah, they're the two quotes that got me through a lot of challenging Beautiful. times. Um, yeah. But thank you for the opportunity for sharing. It's it, it's probably the first time ever without any, any level of tears. And this is not to say. I'm very happy I to hear that. Feel it. But, Yeah. Well, I think maybe yeah, I a took preparation. it. <laughs> well, I, I just you're such a beautiful soul, and I I have done so much work on it. It does feel like I'm telling a story, yeah, because the the narratives changed, right? And it's just the reality of a young girl. It's not a reality of a, an older woman, right? So, but it was reality. And, um, yeah. I just didn't want people to hear it to think that you know it's okay. To, and it's okay to feel that a man won't love you because you are too broken. It's okay to feel all of that. But it's not okay to not rebuild like that. It's you need to find the right space to heal the broken wing, to find a safe space and start to rebuild. And um, and that's what you're creating here, Beck. That's oh, this is well, what it feels like to rebuild. <clears throat> well, I mean, I, look, it. I, you know, I mean, I learn from 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 all of you who come on and graciously share. But what I was going to say to you, Liz, you know, I know you said it's taken you twenty years, but I don't think you can put a time frame on grief, especially that. And yeah, yeah it just it hit me so deep in the heart. And I think uh, they always say that when you can speak about you know a traumatic or grief without crying, it indicates having you know having healing, having healing towards it. So I think. I just, yeah, I really thank you for coming on and and, and sharing that. Um, I, I think a lot of people will probably be in tears after hearing this. Yeah, it's, uh, it's yeah, I don't know what else to say. I mean, there's not much I can say. I think, um, yeah, I think you shared that. Thank you for, thank you for listening. Thank you for being interested. Um, and if it helps anyone to sort of just know that they're not alone, right? We're all in this together. I think it's a beautiful message is everything's going to be okay. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Beck. Thank you so much, Liz. Thank you so much. If you enjoyed today's episode, please don't forget to like, rate and subscribe so you don't miss future episodes. If you would also like to connect with the Be Soulful podcast, please find us on Instagram at Be Soul Podcast. 
Thank you so much.